Good morning, everyone. Goeiemorgen. Sabona. Lekker. Do I have to speak with this? If I speak like this, can everyone hear? Oh, re-recording. Okay. Okay. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, my, my husband, Halgat, and our son and our daughter, Thomas and Lisa, thank you for having us. It's incredible to see so many familiar faces from so many um, number of years ago. So my passion, my absolute passion is Jesus Christ um, and to be in a relationship with him. That's my passion. Um, but I get to live out that passion by sharing his word and sharing what Jesus is showing me through the word. So this morning, I just want to share with you. I believe this morning is going to end with an, it's a morning of invitation. It's a morning of invitation. So I hope you receive it in that manner. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with a question. Uh, which you just answer for yourself. And then I'm going to move on to and just share from a principle that I see from Scripture. And then I'm going to apply the principle um, from passages from a specific individual in Scripture and see what we can learn for ourselves from that. So let me start with this question. I want you just to ask for yourself and answer for yourself, what season of life do you think you are currently in? And that's a very broad question, so allow me to give you three suggestions and you can answer for yourself what you think, where you fit into. I want to put it this way. I want to say I think there's a, a plain season, plain. That's where there's nothing massively big, problematic, but there's also no big, great, open door scenario. It's just kind of like ticking along, just kind of cruise season, just, you know, going on with life. That's plain season. Then there's pain season. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. That's where Cass, I think, was referring to desert season. It's storm season. There's incredible hardships, difficulties, disappointments, and it's usually a long season. I call that pain season. And then the last one I want to ask you is what I call power season. That's when the breakthrough has come. That's when the favor has come. That's when the open doors have come, the new opportunities, the healing, the answered prayer. That's power season. So I just want to ask you, if you had to in your heart answer roughly where are you? Are you in plain season, pain season, or power season? Because what I think is what I want to talk about this morning is how do we steward our hearts in these different seasons. Because my sense is that we steward our hearts slightly differently. We have a different strategy in different seasons. And firstly, if you don't know in what season you are, you don't know how to steward your heart in that season. So let's firstly identify what season we are in. And secondly, then let's learn from Scripture how do we steward our hearts in that season. So let me start with a principle. I want to take you to a very well-known scripture. Um, MJ, are you? Okay, don't worry. <laughs> Peter's going to be there. I want to take you to Matthew eleven twenty-eight, which is such a well-known passage. We kind of so I'm talking stewarding your heart through different seasons in our life. And I want to take you to Matthew 11, which is Jesus' teaching. And it's a well-known passage, but I want to show you something that I see there. So join me as I, as I am I allowed to walk around? <laughs> okay. So I want, I want to show you this very well-known um, passage. It says, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Come to me, 
all you who labor. I just want to show you the word labor means worn out, exhausted, or depleted. Can anyone relate? He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. The word heavy laden in Greek can be translated as overloaded, weighed down. And then he says, and I will give you rest. That Greek word rest is an interesting word. It means to pause. It means to pause. Do you know if you've had a crazy day, a difficult day, and by the end of the day, whatever time at night you fall into bed, you just lie there. And have you ever experienced that like after a minute or two, you just take this incredibly deep breath? And when you breathe it out, there's, there's a form of rest that just comes over your exhausted and you're so relieved that this day is over. What biologically apparently happens is because you actually take in so much oxygen in your brain, because you take such a deep breath, that oxygen is actually the thing that makes your muscles relax. This rest that Jesus is talking about there is that oxygen sucking moment where you just get to breathe. He's calling you to breathe. But then he says this. Now, now what I want to show you, he says, then take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Now, I want to explain to you that word yoke. That yoke has a literal meaning and a figurative meaning. The figurative meaning in this context is that Jesus, in the time that Jesus was on earth, there were different rabbis that were teaching from the Torah. But each rabbi had a very unique interpretation So Rabbi Johnny would interpret the Torah in this way, and therefore he would say, in order to comply with the Torah, you need to do X and Y. Rabbi Pity interpreted that same passage this way, so he said, no, 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 what you need to do is this and this. And so what they started referring to is they they referred to Rabbi Johnny's yoke. Meaning, Rabbi Johnny says, this is what we need to do. Whereas Rabbi Pity, his yoke was this. So Jesus was referring to this yoke that the rabbis were placing on Jews, Jews to follow. And he's addressing that here. That's the, uh, the, the, uh, the non-literal meaning of the word yoke. And Jesus is addressing it here. He's saying, you are following various yokes of certain rabbis. I want to come and present to you a different yoke. But the literal meaning of the word yoke, and that's what I kind of want to talk about this morning, is the actual instrument of a yoke. And many of you will know, and on the next slide, I'll just show you for maybe the younger generation. This is the literal yoke that was used for farming. It's a wooden bar that was placed over two oxen, and the purpose of the yoke is to combine the strength of the ox and channel that strength in the same direction. Now, what literally happened most of the time, this picture doesn't necessarily reflect it, but what happened with farmers is they, over time, would take an older ox who's strong but experienced, and that ox would know how to walk in a straight line. And they would add a younger ox who's got lots of energy but not so (laughs) experienced. And they would yoke them together so that the older, more experienced ox can teach the younger ox, how do we do this? 
yoking. What I want to introduce to you, and MJ, if you can go back to the, the previous slide, please. What I want to introduce to you in this passage is that I think Jesus is teaching us about partnership agreements. Yoking is meant for two. You are never yoked by yourself. You are yoked with something or with someone. And what Jesus is introducing here is he's saying that you may have been yoked with a partner and the fruit of that has been worn out, exhaustion, depletion, being weighed down. And he's offering you a different partnership agreement. He's saying, I want to introduce to you the fruit of a different partner when you partner with me. And this is what he offers. He says, you get to learn from me. He's the older ox with the more experience. Join me and you can learn from me. He's offering something else. He says, for I am gentle. This is him legally presenting his partnership agreement to us. He's saying, if you join my yoke, if you join me, this is what I offer in our partnership agreement. Gentle in Greek actually means power used without undue harshness. So when Jesus says gentle, it doesn't mean he's weak. It means I've got, he's got so much power available for you and me, but he knows how to release it in ways that you don't feel overwhelmed. You see, you don't put a 10-year-old boy in an F1, vehicle, uh, F1 car. It's irresponsible. You put him through F3. You put him through F2. Sorry, we're into F1. If anyone is... <laughs> Three o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> okay. Because there's profound power in those vehicles. You don't just so Jesus is inviting you into his partnership agreement and he's offering you the ability to learn and the ability to have access to his strength. Remember, he's the older, stronger ox, the more experienced ox. And we, if we step into partnership with him, we get to learn his ways. And the third thing he offers was just above. He says, I give you rest. I give you the ability to just breathe. Why? Because if we look at that picture, MJ, just again, there are moments when these two oxes operate together where if the one just, can, just needs to rest a bit, the other one still physically has the ability to draw whatever they need to draw. Why? Because you're in a partnership. Jesus in the scripture, MJ, if we go back, is offering you a partnership. But what I want to propose to you today, friends, is we are in a partnership every day, all the time. The question is, what is the fruit of that partnership? And I want to ask you, and this is no judgment from my side, if you are experiencing exhaustion, being overloaded and weighed down, I just want to ask you, who and what have you been partnering with? Because I can tell you from my own life, I'm not talking about demonic partnership. I'm talking about stuff like partnering with fear, partnering with people-pleasing, partnering with pride. The fruit and eventual labor, uh, the, the fruit of that will lead to those things he mentioned. And the invitation Jesus is saying is, you have a choice who you partner with every moment of the day. I'm not talking about salvation. Have you gotten this by now? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about doing daily life with Jesus. And if you struggle during the day, maybe it's that time where you just pause and say, wait, wait, wait. I'm feeling overwhelmed. What have I just partnered with? 
What thought process have I just partnered with? Coming out of this meeting, coming out of this family lunch, I feel drained. What have I partnered with? Maybe I've partnered with jealousy. Maybe I've partnered with insecurity. What is causing this weighing down? And the invitation today is just to say, oh, okay, no way, Jesus. I'm sorry. I partnered with the wrong spirit there. I want to join your yoke again. I want to join your yoke. He goes on and he says, and you will find rest for your souls. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Note the contrast, contrast, being heavy laden and full of labor versus being light and easy. Being exhausted versus having rest. This is the two options we have every day of our life. Who are you partnering with? As you drive to work, as you drive to whatever event it is you have, the invitation is to say, Jesus, I choose to be yoked with you. And it offers three things, like I said. Jesus offers rest. In those seasons of pain, you need rest. And he also offers the ability to learn from him. And he also offers access to his power. Right. So this is the principle I want to look at. Partnership agreements. What agreements do you engage with every day of your life? Now, I want to take you to three stories to apply this so that we can look at the three seasons and we can see and learn how we get to engage in partnership agreements with Jesus in the different seasons of our life. So if you want to join me, the first one we're going to look at, we're going to look at Mary of Bethany. There's only three stories in the New Testament of Mary of Bethany. We're going to look at all three of them and we're going to see how she finds herself in different seasons. And we're going to ask ourselves Where does Mary end up in each of those stories? So the first one I want to take you is to a very well-known one. It's in Luke 10. I think, MJ, if we go there. So I'm going to, in every story, we're going to look at Mary Bethany. We're going to ask, what season is Mary in? We're going to ask, where does Mary end in that season? And we're going to ask, how does she end there? Let's look at the first one. Well-known story. Jesus is arriving at their friend's house, and in verse 38, you're welcome to read there, it says, Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, friends, I just want to look at Mary of Bethany. The story is more about Martha and the lessons that Martha should learn. But I want to focus on Mary. And although the scripture doesn't clearly explain what seasons she is, I want to propose to you that I think at this point in Mary's life, she's in a plain season. There's nothing massively exciting happening, but there's no massive crisis in her life. She's just in plain season. Now, friends, if we are, if you find yourself in plain season, what is important, I think, is to identify what are the risks, the spiritual risks in this season. Because if you can identify the risks, then you can come in the opposite spirit. Jesus comes in the opposite spirit. And he offers us that ability as well. Now, I think in plain season, it's that, that season, it's like if you go on a long road trip. 
you just kind of just, you've left Joburg, you're on the N1 South, and you're hitting that straight butt, right? And maybe your car has that functionality where you can now switch on the, what is it, Elgart? Cruise control, right? You switch on the music, you switch on cruise control, you sit back, your arms rested on the, on the window, and you're just cruising. That's beautiful. It's a lack of time. What's the risks? The risk is you can fall asleep. The risk is you can fall asleep. Friends, one of the biggest risks of plane season is that we become profoundly comfortable. We're just ticking over. We're cruising along. We become comfortable with the uneventfulness, the lack of crisis, or the lack of joy we're just getting through every day. So there's some little ups and downs. It's not perfect, but, you know, you still have to, to go um, past the odd truck here or there, you know, so you switch off the cruise control, get around the truck, and on the cruise control, and we just cruise. That is the risk, the risk of becoming complacent in your spiritual journey, in your relationship with Jesus, just going through the motions, same old Sunday in, Sunday out, Wednesday home group, Wednesday out, no, no, no. And one of the biggest challenges is that we start to conform in that season. And what do we conform to? The things around us. And Jesus says, do not conform to the patterns of the world. He says, be transformed. And plain season, the risk is conformity and comfort. So I think Mary is in plain season. But where? Do we find Mary in this story? Because remember, her culture at the time is women serve, men engage with all intellectual whatever. So Martha was doing what culture expected. What was Mary doing in the season? We find Mary at the feet of Jesus, doing what? Leaning in, listening, and learning. Counterculture. Counterculture. She's in plain season. The natural thing to do was to make sandwiches with Martha. That's the normal thing to do. But she chooses to lean into Jesus, recognizing this is a moment where I'm going to learn. And in the next verse, I think it's verse 41, Jesus says, and Jesus answered and said to her, this is to Martha, this is the Martha lesson, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And then verse 42, MJ, if you can say it, it says, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. And notice it says, which will not be taken. So I want to ask the question, what season is Mary in in the story? I think she's in plain season. Where is Mary in plain season? She's at the feet of Jesus. Now, the feet of Jesus is a, is a picture language that even Paul uses when he was referring to his training. Paul said, I was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. That's not literally sitting at Gamaliel's, although it is actually. The principle is he was being taught by Gamaliel. So the concept, the phrase, sitting at the feet of Jesus, is a principle of saying, teach me, Jesus. Teach me. And why this is so crucial, I think, is because plain season is usually the season where you can hear the best. And why is that? Because the storm 
is not making it hard to hear, to be changed, to be guided. Plain season, friends, is the invitation to be equipped by Jesus. It's the season where you choose, like Mary, to go counterculture and not put on cruise control for your life and say, I've actually got emotional capacity, maybe even physical time, to spend time with Jesus, to spend time getting to know the heart of the Father in this season. Because when you go to the Father in this season, you don't go with an agenda. In storm season, you go with an agenda Fix the situation. Get me out of here. Where do I need to go? Plain season, you just sit like Mary. You lean in and you say, I want to get to know your heart. Show me your character. Teach me what, how do you think about this? You can absorb Jesus for who he is, not Jesus for what he can do. Plain season, my friends, I want to suggest to you, steward your heart like a, discipling heart. Disciples are people who are being taught. So if you are finding yourself in plain season, do what Mary did. Martha chose work. Mary chose connection. In plain season, choose connection. Choose a hungry heart, a discipling heart that says, I've got the ability to hear. I even have the time. Teach me, shape me, transform me. Because as you're being transformed and as you transition to a new season, that transformation is going to bear fruit. All right, plain season. Are we good? Let's move on to the next season of Mary. Um, that is in John, John 11. It's the second story of Mary of Bethany. And that is where uh, her brother Lazarus has become ill. Now, Mary does, Martha does the most normal thing. They have now come to know Jesus. Why? Because he spent time with them, and they've spent time with him, and they've come to learn this is the Messiah. This is most probably the Messiah. They've come to hear all the testimonies of him healing people. So they have come to know Jesus as the healer. So when they find themselves in storm season, or what I call pain season, they turn to Jesus. That's the right thing, right? So we find the scenario, the, the, the scenario where we ask, Lazarus is sick, and they send a message to Jesus. They send someone to let him know. At that point in time, Jesus is in another town, and the messenger, messenger arrives. He tells them that their friend is gravely ill. And I want to make you aware of this in, in verse 5. Jesus have just heard this message. Notice how he responds. And it says, now Jesus loved Martha. I think if you can put that up, MJ. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stormed to their house, embraced her in his arms and said, I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> It says now Jesus loved them. Have you experienced Jesus? I know you love me, but this season I'm in, this desert I'm in, this is tough. Please come and break this, break this thing, open the door, heal me, deliver me, set me free, give me the opportunities. And Jesus says, I love you. And you go like, because he loves me, 
He's going to set me free. But it says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was at. What? If you love us, Jesus, set us free. Take this thing away from us. Break the financial burden. Open the door for the business deal. You love us. Now, I don't want to talk in this session about why we go through suffering. That's a whole different matter. But what I want to show you here is that the disciples got privy to what Jesus was doing here. Jesus explained to the disciples, God's going to be glorified through this. Do you know what? Mary didn't get that piece of information. She just sent the prayer request, as we are told, pray about your storm, pray about your desert, pray about what you need for. But Mary didn't get the email that said, don't worry, God's going to be glorified. All that she got was the messenger who came back and said, doesn't look like he's coming. Storm season, pain season, disappointment season. Eventually, Jesus shows up. But we know the story, it's too late. It's too late. And what happens next is two things that I find so interesting. When Jesus eventually arrives in Bethany, now Bethany is two miles out of Jerusalem, a little town. Jesus arrives in Bethany. Again, I would have thought, whenever he arrives, he storms into the house. He throws his arms around Mary and, and says to her, I'm so sorry for your loss. I've arranged lasagnas for the next 20 days. This is what I can do for you. I can do 20 lasagnas. Okay, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm sorry I was late. That's what I would have thought, Jesus. Okay, I don't know why you're late, but that's what I, that would be the nice thing to do. Jesus doesn't do that. He interestingly waits outside of the dorpi. He waits outside. He doesn't even go in. Martha storms out. She has a conversation with Jesus. At the end of that conversation, Jesus says to Martha, Go call Mary. Now, friends, I don't know. Why does Mary have to come to him? How about you go to her? She's in pain season. You know? The scripture says, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Uh, well, I've been seeking you and I can't find you now. You're calling me to come to you. I don't know why Jesus waited outside the town and he called it. But I want to show you the choice that Mary makes when she's invited. Scripture says, when she had said this, this is Martha. So Martha now goes to Mary and says, yo, sis, Jesus is calling you. Now, in that moment, you've got to be able to identify in our hearts. If you're in pain season and another prophet tells you, come to Jesus. You're like, listen, I've come to him so many times. I want to ask you, have you ever had that feeling in your heart like, Lord, I have prayed about this thing and I can't hear you? If you want to speak to me, just freaking make it clear. Okay? Send an email, send a miracle, send a sign, but ask no more. I think that's how Mary was feeling. So when a sister comes and says, Jesus is calling you, I want to ask you, can you identify that feel like this desert season is exhausting? And Jesus, I did what I was supposed to do. I sent my prayer requests and you didn't respond. 
So why would I not come running to you? You can come to me. I want to show you her response. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came outside the Dorpi to Jesus. I want to say to you, we have a choice about how we steward our hearts in pain season. And I want to show you, this is how Mary chose to steward a heart in the disappointment season. In the season where Jesus has not come to show himself in the way that you know him. She chooses to run towards him. And then the second decision that Mary makes in this season, which I found astonishing, is she does not fall at his feet and go, creator of the universe, miracle way maker, God almighty. Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. But there's something in what Mary does which I find so liberating because in a pain season, in her desert season, she's just real. She falls at his feet and she says to him, Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is one of those sentences where emojis would have been very helpful. Because if it was the red face emoji, it's Jesus. <laughs> or was it just, why? Why? How long? I did what you asked me to do. I sent, I prayed about it. And I believed in your ability to heal. Friends, I want to say to you, when Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me. I think it is because he wants us to learn to steward our hearts. Because the opposite could have happened for Mary. She could have developed a resentful, disappointed, hardened heart in the pain season. Friends, our challenge in pain season is to keep our hearts vulnerable. Vulnerable when Jesus does not show up in the way we want him to show up. And Mary is an example of, yet again, falling at his feet. Her choice. Please notice her choice. You are powerful to make a decision about how you steward your heart. You don't have control of your circumstances. You do have control about the posture of your heart in those circumstances. So Mary could choose between the offended, disappointed, Developing into a bitter heart attitude. But she chose the vulnerable heart. And this is what I want us to see. In the pain season, I believe it is the season where we remain soft and vulnerable towards Jesus. Now for those of you who have gone through long pain season, long desert seasons, you feel sometimes like a punching bag. Financially emotionally, sometimes physically. A desert season has the ability of giving you a slop clop and you are exhausted. I want to say to you, we need to learn to be strong but soft and tender towards Jesus. Because if we become hardened outside, how's life? No, all good, all good, all good. We also could become hard in our hearts. And then there's distance between us and Jesus. Not because Jesus moves away, but because we back away. The invitation in pain season is to have a vulnerable heart. Learn to steward your heart towards Jesus vulnerably. Be real. Just be real. What amazing is, is that up to that point, Mary has gotten to know Jesus as the healer, 
What she didn't know was she was now going to get to know him as the resurrector. So her disappointment was he didn't pitch up in what she has come to know his ability. What he was going to introduce to her is a greater ability. You thought I could only heal, Mary. I can also resurrect. So what you thought have died, your dreams, your passions, I want to say to you, there's an invitation to be real towards Jesus so that he can introduce his greater power to you if you steward your heart vulnerably and gently towards him. And the last, the last story um, of the last story of Mary's life <clears throat> is in John 12. What has happened now is they're not exactly sure how much time has transpired between the resurrection of Lazarus to this particular story, but, but, but scholars suspect not much time. So Jesus have left. He's raised Lazarus now. There's a massive hubaloo-ha about the excitement of Lazarus. And Jesus has gone to wait, wait to another town, but he's come back. And it is now six days before Passover, before he will be crucified. He comes into Jerusalem triumphantly. But then guess what? He comes back to Bethany and he has another meal. And they say it is a celebration meal. It's most probably Martha and Lazarus and Mary having a celebration meal with Jesus to say thank you for this insane miracle that their brother is alive. So I want to ask you, would you agree with me that this is most probably power season for Mary? The breakthrough has come. Her brother was raised from the dead. Answered prayer, open door, new ministry, new relationships, power season, favor season. It's good, people. It's good. Let's work this thing. The question is, where's Mary in power season? Because you'll see Martha's in the same spot. <laughs> It says, then in John 12, then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Friends, I want to say to you the risk of power season or favor season is that we get so excited about what Jesus has done. We get so enthused about the business opportunity, the restored relationship, the restored health, whatever the favor is, that we want to work it for the glory of God, as we're supposed to, and we are. But I want to show you where's Mary in glory season, in favor season. You see, I tend to think I could just see Mary launching some kind of blog or like Instagram saying, Jesus is in the house again, you know, or like, let's sell Lazarus' grave clothes and anoint it and people will be healed, you know, let's work this favor. And there's nothing wrong with working this favor, but I want to show you what we need to learn because where is Mary? Then Mary didn't make the sandwiches. She didn't choose to sit with Lazarus like, <clears throat> I'm now like one of the boys again. Um, I don't think, I, I don't know if I have this scripture on. You don't. I don't. You've got to trust me. It's John 12. <laughs> the question is, where would we be when that favor comes? This is where Mary is. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house 
was filled with the fragrance of the well. Where is Mary in favor season? In the prayer answered, in the ministry, let's build the church. She's at the feet of Jesus. And she's worshiping him and she's loving him. Why? Because the risks for us in favor season is that we get focused on the favor, not on the giver of the favor. When the opportunities come, when the answered prayer comes, like Peter, I want to show you, you know the story of Peter walking on water? Did you know that it was Peter's idea? He said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, if you want me to come to you, then call me. It's like us praying, God, give me this job. Give me this business opportunity. Give me this relationship. It's a prayer request. It's the right thing to do. Peter had a prayer request. Where was Peter's focus during his prayer request? On Jesus. Then Jesus said, yes, come. He answered the prayer. He gave the favor. He brought the breakthrough. What happened? Peter started working the breakthrough. And where did his focus go then? Off Jesus onto working the answered prayer. Can you see the risks? And Mary is an example for us that as you get the breakthrough, as you get the favor, remain worshiping the giver of the favor. The giver of the favor. Friends, I want to kind of summarize it in this way. I think we can find ourselves in three seasons. I think in plain season, MJ, if you go to the next slide, in plain season, we need to choose to not focus on becoming lethargic, but we need to be leaning in and listening in plain season. In pain season, we must be careful not to become resentful, but we must learn to be real and vulnerable with Jesus. You've got a choice how you steward your heart. And in power season, we must be careful not to become workers of the favor, but worshipers of the giver of the favor. We have a choice. Do we focus on circumstances or on connection? In every season, your connection may look a little bit different with Jesus. In storm season, you're just trying to survive, man. You just don't get through the day. So it's okay just to come and cry, be real with Jesus. It's okay. In power season, it's okay to not say yes to something like, oh, but now we've got to work this. But to say no and to say, I just want to worship you, Jesus. I just want to worship you. There are seasons of working. And in all of this, I want to bring you back to Matthew 11, where Jesus says, how are you going to partner with me in these three seasons? What yoke are you going to join? The invitation is to be yoked with Jesus in a different way in every season. Can you see that? We need to choose our partner every day. Some of us experience these three seasons in one day. <laughs> the invitation is that you get to partner with Jesus, but that you steward your heart wisely through the day. It looks different for us. Who are you partnering with? And friends, I want to say to you a while ago, I was made aware of, well, I was absolutely falling into the exhausted, frustrated, depleted fruit in my life. And I was made aware that I partnered with the spirit of control. 
I allowed a spirit of I allowed a spirit of control to take grip of my heart. And the fruit of that was exhaustion and frustration. I didn't have to go for deliverance ministry. I just repented. Jesus, I recognize I made the wrong partnership agreement here. It was wrong. I'm sorry. I now choose to receive the spirit of love. And I will now approach the situation, not in a spirit of fear, but in a spirit of love. The fruit looks different. There's rest. In pain season, let him give you rest. In plain season, let him teach you. And in power season, let, him, let his power work through you as you worship him. I want to end with this last story. Um, see, this at the feet of Jesus, for a lot of us immediately think like, oh goodness, where am I going to find time to do that? Where am I going to find, I don't even have time. At the feet of Jesus is a heart attitude. Yes, plan A is to spend more time in his word, absolutely. But I want to say to you, in your busy day, in the car, on your way to the bathroom, on your way to get your coffee, steward your heart by really humbling and saying, Jesus, I want to look to you. There was a sculptor, which I can't pronounce his name because he's Danish, in 1833, who was asked to sculpture Jesus Christ. And according to plans, he drew the image of Jesus Christ was going to be hands stretched out both sides like this with his face upwards. Now, legend has it that there's two potential reasons why the sculpture ended differently. The one is that he got so frustrated as he looked at the, the, the clay molding that was the initial mold. He was looking at it and he was so frustrated because something wasn't right. That one of his friends, who is his best friend, came in and after days of frustration, he said to his friend, what's the matter? And he had both of his hands out like this. And the one legend says that he changed the sculpture because of how he saw his friend. The other legend says that as he molded the clay, the humidity in the room overnight caused the sculpture to change. And the hands that was lifted up, Jesus' hands of the sculpture that was lifted up, ended up falling lower. And the head of Jesus that was raised up started to bell down. And the sculpture decided to go with that. And people who saw the final product said, but why is this such a great sculpture? Because if we look at it, we can't see the face of Jesus. And then he wrote at the bottom of the sculpture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come to me, all who are weary. Because if you're at the feet of Jesus, you actually get to see his face. But if you're standing far off, offended, exhausted, you don't get to see his face. You get to see his face when your heart is humbled and you say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Friends, I want to finish off. I want to ask and just say humbly, do you want to just close your eyes and just for yourself say, what season are you in? Is there maybe a time where you just want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've repented with, or I want to repent of just cruising, just cruising, just kind of going with the flow. Or is there maybe a, an area of your heart that you want to repent and say, I just become so resentful, so disappointed. 
that I've hardened my heart towards you? Or is there maybe a small repentance of saying, Jesus, I got so excited about the favor that I've, I've just run with the favor and I've, I've missed you. I just want to give you a half a minute or a minute. Just, just speak to you. Just repent. I'm sorry. I had the wrong partnership agreement. I just want to give you a half a minute. And now I want to end with the invitation. It's nothing magical. It's a heart attitude like Mary of Bethany that chooses to humble our hearts at the feet of Jesus and say, yoke with me, Jesus. I want to be yoked with you. Because I know with you, I get rest. I get to breathe. And I know as I'm yoked with you, I get to learn from you. And I know that as I get yoked with you, I get access to your power. Take this invitation. Humble your heart at the feet of Jesus and look him in the eye and say, I'm joining your partnership agreement today. Amen. Can I, Rob, can I pray? Or Abba Father. Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Thank you for your tenderness. Thank you for your tenderness this morning towards our hearts that may not quite be where it's supposed to be. Thank you for your mercy and your love towards us. Today, we choose to partner with you. Tomorrow morning, we choose to partner with you. Tomorrow afternoon, we choose to partner with you. You are the best partner there is. Thank you that there's a spot open for each of us to be yoked with you. Thank you that you are the stronger, more powerful, more gracious, wiser partner. Thank you for your nature and your power and your grace. In Jesus' name.